0: Welcome to the financial fixer podcast. I am so pumped that you're here, my friend, I'm especially excited because I have a special guest on the show. And we're going to chat it up about real estate, the current market environment, and some truths and myths about buying and selling homes. If you've been thinking about doing something transactional with your home or property, or buying a new one, listen up, this podcast is going to be so juicy. But before I welcome my friend and my trusted realtor to the show, I want to give you just a little nudge reminder that the Financial Fixer podcast only gets listeners when they hear about it. So if you love this episode and you find the content valuable and entertaining, I bet your friends will too. So please, after you hit that follow button, so you never miss an episode, share it with at least three friends who you think will love it too. Now we're going to get to the show. I'm here with my beautiful friend Nina, who is not only a realtor, but she's my realtor. So I'm gonna go ahead and let Nina introduce herself. Nina, why don't you tell the audience about you, where you're from, and why you picked real estate as your passion or career of
1: choice? Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. As Amanda I already introduced myself, and my name is Nina. And my very brief story is I am originally from Germany, but I did decide to move to the United States at age of 20 and didn't really know exactly where my path is going to lead me. You know, I I was working as a server here on Clearwater Beach and, you know, many might know it was nice, you know, fast money, cash tips every day. So definitely enjoyed that. I kind of knew it was not really sustainable for me. So I decided to take a leap of faith and got my real estate license. I believe that was in 2015 when I first started. I feel like the rest is kind of history, you know, now we're, now we're here and I'm on your awesome podcast. When we first met, she was our assistant
0: agent. Basically, we had a real estate agent, and she was the assistant to that agent for our home purchase, which was a big, huge deal for me and my now husband. At that time, we were just on track to get married, and Nina was assisting us, and really, truly, we spent... This was back in 2016. I don't know if I mentioned that, but we spent so much time with Nina, like especially with my husband. Like, Nina knows. Okay, he is one of those. If I'm going to make a decision, a big purchase decision, okay, Nina, you could probably tell the, the audience more about this. But <laughs> was he not like you talked to him every day? Yeah, every questions. day. He did yes. not. Uh uh-uh. uh. He was not even trying to like be like, oh no, I don't want to bother her. This and that. Uh uh-uh. uh. He was. You <laughs> guys questions. were on the phone. Yes. Yeah. And what, but that's the thing though. Now I kind of stayed out of that part of it, but I was there for all of the, the visits and all the things and, you know, just, you know, behind the scenes decision-making, of course, but Nina was the one she showed up. It was just a really great experience and we've stayed friends. And yeah. now fast forward to today, she just helped me with like a huge, and I, I, This is more of an emotional, uh, sad situation, but I had to sell my grandparents home and I was, I'm the, their only care manager and their power of attorney. And I had to go through selling their home of 45 years. They lived there. And I obviously grew up going to that home and had so much experience in that house. And it was very difficult and emotional, but I have to tell you that working with Nina, like girl <laughs> that was one of the things that was the least stressful out of the whole process you know we had to go through the the estate sale and all that stuff and that is so much stress as it is but the selling process you really saved my life i think i it could have gotten really ugly if you weren't there so i want to first and foremost obviously thank you for that now you're a top real estate agent and you know, for most clients, this is one of the largest transactions you'll, you know, they'll ever experience, right? And in some cases, the only large transaction that will ever happen for them that they're ever going to face. So, and it comes with stress, it comes with pressure. As you know, I was very stressed and pressured dealing with someone else's home that I had to sell, not only someone else's home, but someone that I really loved. I'll ask you from your perspective how do you help your clients get through that kind of pressure? in the process of buying and selling? Maybe you can talk about kind of both ends of the spectrum.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you know, first of all, of course, thank you so much for all the kind words. (laughs) I feel like Mm -hmm. whenever we, you know, whenever we get to work together, and in my opinion, it's always a great time, you know, definitely my pleasure. I mean, selling or buying, you know, real estate, for the most part, super emotional, right? Uh, I do have, yeah. (laughs) yeah, I do have to say, I have a few investors, you know, where it's, Actually, I feel like almost harder for me when that emotional part is taken out of it. And it's really only about numbers because it does, of course, you know, for investors, they don't really care about any emotional aspect. You know, if one number is off, they will walk away from the deal. But I feel like I have found myself more drawn to the, you know, like the emotional part of real estate, just because I feel like it kind of comes naturally to me. I noticed that the best thing really is to understand your client, you know and obviously myself i have bought and sold houses as well you know like personally uh i feel like i kind of i kind of get the stress you know i feel like with sellers one of the biggest stress factors is really the moving process you know packing and getting rid of stuff i feel like that can just be so overwhelming so you know i do try to help as much as i can you know and i think in your situation we found the perfect solution you know where we oh my gosh excited you know like hey Some stuff can stay here. You know, the buyer was totally fine with it. you know, like you can leave it as is and whatever else you want to get rid of or you want to sell, you can do that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we found the perfect solution for you. So I'm trying to like to always navigate every seller, you know, in that aspect and kind of see like, hey, is this going to be a big deal to them? You know, a few times I had some elderly sellers where it was like an extra stress factor for them to go to Home Depot, for example, and get moving boxes, right? So obviously I'm going to hop in my car you know, go to Home Depot and then drop off some moving boxes for them, you know, with, you know, everything that they need to pack their stuff. It's so yeah. you, that is so yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Just to assist, you yeah. know, where I can also notice, and that goes from both sides because there is a lot of things that can go wrong. So I've, I've noticed the best thing is really to meet my client at whatever level they are, you know, like, so for example, if something is wrong and they are pretty upset, I will meet them at that level, but I'm the one that's going to bring them down right because in the end i feel like i've done it so many times right i know the the end goal in this whole transaction for every party involved is really to sell the house right mm-hmm. so i feel like i'm always trying to remember you know like hey i know this is unfortunate you know stuff happens but what's the solution you know like how are we going to resolve this you know how can i help you i feel like i just kind of learned really quickly as much as of course you know real estate is a lot like about money and stuff, of course, you know, super big aspect of it. I've also learned that in the end, it's really the human connection. You know, it is a relationship that you kind of build and especially the trust. So I have noticed that my clients definitely trust me and, you know, kind of like they, they follow my guidance. There is no question. I'm going to skip ahead then because
0: you talked about trust. And for me, you're on my first call list, quote unquote, first call list, right? If I'm going to do anything real estate related, or if I have a question, like, let's just go there, right? If somebody has a question, I'm like, Hey, call Nina, you know, like, that that's your girl, right? What does it take? And you may have mentioned a little bit about this, you're kind of going above and beyond. But what does it take for to be on that first call list as a realtor? I want to say also with a little caveat here, there's a lot of people that are looking to get into real estate or they're new at it. And because you've got some season behind you and really, really, it's not that many years, but I feel like you've accomplished so much in a short period of time. And you've become the first call for so many, I think that you can help the audience understand what that would take. So go ahead.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, obviously I'm honored to hear that I am on your first call list. Of course, you know, my goal is that once people think anything real estate related, you know, call Nina. I try to make it very obvious to all of my clients that even though the transaction is over, our relationship is not right. So I'll make sure that, hey, if you have any needs, you know, as far as anything regarding your house, you know, may it be a plumber or an AC company, you know, anything call me, ask me, you know, I have a whole vendors list. I'm happily, like, I would love to share that with you, you know, just so you know um, that you can trust these people, you know, because obviously in this kind of industry, there's also some, you know, people that you can run into where you should probably not spend your money, you know? So it is very important to me that I send vetted people out to my clients. So I'll make it very clear. I also like to stay in touch just throughout the years of knowing people, you know, obviously you and I, we have a great connection that we formed, but you know, Obviously social media helps, you know, I feel like I always know exactly what you're up to, you know, I see the kids growing up and all that stuff. I do use social media for sure, you know, to stay in contact with my clients that goes for any new realtor or established realtor. I do like to send out, you know, like little Popeye gifts or something, you know, so, but that goes also back to kind of listening, getting to know your clients, you know, like what do they like? What are their hobbies? so it's just really staying staying in touch and then also just over and over always showing and providing your value so just because a transaction is over you know just, just that does not mean that you'll never hear from me again
0: so. that's so that's so true i mean that's that's exactly it so it's a it's a relationship building process mm-hmm. right and even t- after our first transaction in between that and then this recent one, we've only connected maybe like one time in person, you know, between that time, but we've stayed in touch. And so I know what's going on with you. I know about your baby and future babies and, yeah. you know, your your marriage. I really, you know, because of that relationship that we've built even if it is just on social media, sometimes, like there still is that connection, because if it was just transactional, and we didn't talk ever again after that, then you may not be on that list to call, right? Like, because again, there are some saturations going on here when it comes to the real estate, you know, you know, the agents that are, there's just a lot of new ones popping up. And yes, they're trying to get their foot in the door too, and you can't blame them. But I also have to be honest with you, the experience, the referrals are, that's everything. I mean, I think I've had a couple people maybe call you or reach out to you or or ask questions for some of my family members, that kind of thing. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about the environment. Let's pivot just a little bit. As a top realtor, obviously you've been around, especially in this area, but you know what's going on around the world too, right? Especially in the finance, you know, just our brains when it comes to money right now and the economy. So in your experienced opinion and giving the current financial environment in this country is now still a time to buy or sell a property or a home. And you can go general or you can really Mm -hmm. dive into this, but what are your thoughts? Yeah.
1: You know, great question. And, you know, I feel like one of probably like the more asked questions right now, Uh, I still think, and I think also most of my colleagues would agree that it is still a great time to either sell or buy. I do know, you know, people will say, oh, realtors say that all the time, but if you really look into it and if you really think about it, it's definitely through because um, if you look at it, let's just say right now, I want to say the interest rates are around the 6% rate, rate right, For your standard 30 year conventional mortgage, let's just say the market goes down, right? Obviously what you can do is refinance, right? So that's great. If the interest rates kind of stay at the 6%, then it's just a wash, right? I mean, you, you bought a house and- the interest rates are still the same. And if for any reason the interest rates go up even higher, then you know you obviously bought at the right time, right? Which is being the lower rate. So I feel like overall, uh, you definitely cannot buy at a bad time. Do I think some people made some poor decisions, you know, by like waiving inspections and appraisals and all that stuff, which I've seen a little bit more last year? Absolutely, right? I mean, it's always a fine line, you know, to do that. Uh, however, I do think that as far as buying goes, definitely a great time. As far as selling goes, I have seen a little bit of a slowdown, uh, but really only because if you think about it, a lot of these sellers, they either bought at the lower rate or they just refinanced to that lower rate, right? So for them, they need to have a valid reason to ask why do they want to have a new house with that higher rate, right? Because I mean, obviously, if you're living in a good enough house, you know, at 3%, What's going to be your motivation, you know, to go somewhere else now for the 6%, right? But again, if people have a good reason, like, for example, we are growing our family. So we definitely needed a bigger house, more space. We knew that we had to buy a house, right? We we bought a great house. It is, at, you know, in the 6% range interest rate, but there was no other option. So we knew that we had to leave our old house with the better rate, but we all, you know, we still made it work. I do think real estate is the best way of creating wealth. Oh, yes. And again, I can, mm-hmm. I can use my, myself for the example. I feel like we can use you, you know, I mean, I'm sure you guys have a great equity in your house, which is probably crazy. We're doing well. So, yeah, we're doing exactly. well. Net worth is yeah. going up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Hello, please excuse this quick interruption. I just wanted to pop in here really fast to invite you to my free community, The Financial Fixer community is where women who listen to this podcast and follow the Fixer Money method come together to learn and grow their money management skills and sharpen their money mindset. I'd be honored to get to know you better and support you right there in that community. I'll leave the link in the show notes. Be sure to answer the entry questions so you get access fast. The first question is, quote unquote, who can we thank for sending you? And if you answer Financial Fixer podcast, you'll get free registration. To my next budget boss boot camp, which is a paid five-day training. Can't wait to see you in the community.
1: Now back to the show. If you just like look at it overall, and you know, considering the rental market as well, which is honestly ridiculous, right? I feel like it's so ridiculous. It's, it, it really I mean, is. I mean, it's it's sad to see, you know, in our area here in the Tampa Bay area, that a lot of families can't even stay close to their jobs anymore, you know, just because it comes unbeatable for rate. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really does. So. Yeah. You know, I feel like if you put everything together, I'm sure there's maybe other areas here in the U.S. where the market may take a hit. You know, I really cannot see that coming for Tampa Bay just because we keep growing. You know I mean? There's oh, job, new jobs creating. <laughs> they create yes. new jobs every every day and people just move to the area. So, yeah.
0: It's so beautiful here. I mean, how can we not, you know, and, and you, you're even closer to me now, but I mean, I'm only a mile from the water. So I'm just, I mean... I can smell it from here. And that's another reason too. Like, so talking about buying and selling. So what another thing that I think is stopping people from selling as well is that they don't want to leave this area. And and we're just referring to a, a desirable area, which of course is our area, right? If, you know, if there's nowhere else to go, like to actually take a profit in some sort or benefit from a profit, because you're kind of buying into another home that's at the same elevation as far as the market prices go, then it really just doesn't make sense to make any moves right now, because a lot of people just don't want to leave. But if somebody's wanting to move out of here, it's, you know, in some cases, Mm -hmm. people think it might be too populated, right? And they're tired of the traffic, that could be a reason for someone to decide to move on out of here and go somewhere else too. So I think, you know, I think regardless of what's happening in the financial environment and in the market, that there's always going to be reasons for people to move people to buy people to sell people to Absolutely. invest you know? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I absolutely agree. Also just to pivot just a little bit, cause you know, I'm the money girl. So I want to talk about money in real estate. There is, especially in the beginning when someone first starts out in real estate. So let's kind of go back to like, you know, 2015, mm-hmm. 2016, right. For you, income can be very unpredictable. And I've had clients over the years that, you know, it, it gets tough to budget, especially when, you're not yet on that consistent clientele growth, and you're not getting as many sales in the beginning, that's really tough. And so like, for you, can you give some insight as to what that was like, and maybe how you managed that unpredictable income when you first started out? And because obviously, whatever you did worked for you, because you're still in the game. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, fun fact is the unpredictable part of it really never ends, right? So just being in this industry, you know, being 100% commission based only, it definitely has its ups and downs. I feel like we always say, oh, real estate is a roller coaster, which I feel like the beginning is definitely the hardest. I would probably say by far, just because after you get your license, you think you kind of know what to do, but not really, right? I mean, they don't teach you how to show a house, how to host an open house, how to write a contract. All you really learn in real estate school is more like the legality, like ethics, of course, you know, very important things, but nothing really hands-on at all. I think right now, if I have, you know, some people ask me, oh, hey, you know, like how much should I save up for, you know, before I start real estate? I used to say about three months, I would probably say more to what, six months now, you know, just a year. (laughs) Yes, exactly. you really want to have at least six months of your expenses saved up before you take this leap of faith, just because there's so many things that come into play in any transaction. And even if you just have something under contract and honestly, like even the day of closing, it may not close. So one of the harder lessons that they teach in real estate is really don't count your money until it's literally in your bank account. That's right. Oh, girl, you're speaking <laughs> yeah. my language.
0: You're speaking my language. Yeah. That's what I tell my clients too, like not just in real estate, but just yeah. in anything, you know, when we because I work on a zero based budget, right so like mm-hmm. and what that what that is is every month everything that you have planned to come in and planned to go out and then what's left and then what do we do with that margin we meet goals and all those things mm-hmm. but if you have a client or someone that says they're going to pay you for whatever services or you have a deal that's going through you really have to be mindful of you know how guaranteed is that deal is it really going to close am i really going to close that sale but yeah Absolutely. if it's not yet in the bank or if it's mm-hmm not yet closed and, you know, there's no transactions, then you just got to be really careful to plan for something that really is not guaranteed yet. So I told that's a really good point.
1: Absolutely. And then also for like the newer agents too, if you get a, you know, like a, a check coming your way, just don't forget no taxes have been taken out. You know, I have met my fair share of agents that were pretty surprised, you know, once April came around and they owed a lot of money. We usually like to say, you know, save or like put aside about 30% of every check, you know, just for taxes. So you don't have a um, a nightmare to wake up to. So very important. Yeah.
0: Very important point. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, and, and that just, it's, it's along the lines of, you know, any entrepreneur or business owner as well. So anytime yes. you have a transaction of revenue coming in, that's revenue. That's not Mm -hmm. income, it's revenue. Revenue and income are two different things, right? So when you take in revenue, you've got to break it up. It's got to have its pockets of where you're putting Mm -hmm. it. And, you know, are you, do you have a profit line? Do you have a cost of goods? What are your expenses? And then of course that tax. You know, the tax withholding is critical. Nobody's doing it for yes. you. This isn't a W-2, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Right, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up. I feel like this has been super, super juicy. But I want to ask you one more question. If someone wanted to become a real estate agent, what would you, and you've talked a little bit about this, but I'm going to have you dig a little bit deeper. What would you tell them to do? And what do you believe it takes to stay in the game? because okay. obviously we ha- we see that people become real estate agents it's it's not easy the test isn't easy or anything but there's a lot of people that are taking the test becoming an agent and then 6 months later they kind of fizzle out absolutely so, yeah it's not easy so what do you think is a tip that you could give someone to stay in mm-hmm. the game if they really want to do this
1: i do think ideally the realization that it's really not easy money is probably going to be the the best tip i can give it's it's really hard earned money. You know, I, I do know like those fire commission checks, you know, probably look very attractive, but people really have to understand that it takes years to get to a level where you have re- repeated customers. Right. Cause I mean, if you really look at it, your best lead source is really a client that you organically, you got uh, So like how our relationship, right. It's an organic real relationship, but that again takes years. Right. So I do think people just throw money at Zillow or realtor.com for those paid leads. But obviously those cost a lot of money. And, you know, again, we're, we're talking about the income and that's probably going to be another, you know, 20, 30% gone from your commission check. So I do think the best thing really is to be very realistic. Also, if you can, you know, if you can't set a schedule, I do think schedules go a long way. There's a lot of different ways of obtaining lead sources. You know, I mean, I know some agents they they go door knocking. You know, they host big open houses. They go and lead prospect in the sense of they call expired listings or for sale by owners. You know, those kind of things. Ideally, if you can have that just on a schedule that you really follow, I do think you can be very successful. But in the end, honestly, I think the reason why a lot of agents do drop out after you know about six months is because. They don't follow our schedule. You know, they probably don't have a mentor because again, as I mentioned, going to school and then really doing real estate, completely opposite things. I do think ideally, you know, if you, can, if you can find a brokerage where you can get that help, you know, that training and all that, I do think that's very beneficial. And it takes time. I have to say, in my own experience, give it about three years. If you can stick around for three years, those people that bought a house with you about three years ago, they may be ready now to sell it. And obviously, you know, as we discussed, try to stay in touch with them, you know, throughout those years, because then you will be on their number one phone call list, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was so good. So really what you're saying in a nutshell is consistency. Yes. Because that's really with anything that we do, we want to get better at or in a profession or career, you know, when we're inconsistent, we fall short. And when we continue to fall short, like, or don't get that sale and you just you feel like you're banging your head against the wall, it's easier to quit. That's what you're that's what you're preaching, girl. I can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> and you haven't been consistent. Everything that you've said is true because I've like witnessed that with you. I've had that experience. So there's no question that you know what you're doing is working. And anyone that's listening to this, you can absolutely do it too. You've just mm-hmm. got to put in the work and just keep showing up. And keep that fire. And you mentioned the mentor stuff. Yes. So 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 important, in that community too. So like when you have a mentor, or you're you're under some you know someone's brokerage or whatever, and they have a team. That's really critical to your success because the other people are holding you accountable. Even though you're maybe friendly competition, obviously your agents and you're fighting mm-hmm. for the business, right? But you're still in there learning from people, and you're getting that going into the office is probably one of the things that helps you too right, me and I would assume that being there around people, right?
1: Yeah, you're 100% right. I do think one of the major factors of, you know, being a successful realtor is really to pick a brokerage, you know, where you do have those sources, right? I mean, in, in our office here in Bel Air, Florida, we have a great culture. You know, I mean, we're all super helpful. You know, if there's any questions, they're going to be answered. And, you know, I know you mentioned like friendly competition. Our, our mindset is very clear. You know, there is enough for everybody. I do think it, it goes a long way, you know, and we, we love sharing our knowledge. Yes. yes, That's what you
0: get in a really good, solid cultural community. It's really important. So, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up, but the last thing is, and I'm going to leave anything that you share and that you share with me in the show notes, such as your bio and links and stuff, but where's the best place to find you and connect with you?
1: Yeah, I, I would probably say the best place would be I have a great profile on Zillow. Um, you can kind of check out all my reviews. I think they're all five stars. <laughs> and my information is listed on there. And if you are local here, if you just check out Matt Realty in Bel Air, you'll easily find me.
0: Oh, yeah. I found you easily on Zillow when I left yeah. your review. I was happy to yeah. write that
1: review. So <laughs> let's go. Yes. Probably
0: my favorite one. Oh, I it. thank yeah, you. It was a, thank you. It was a great review. I meant every word. Definitely saved my life. So, thank you so much. I hope that you have a wonderful day and everyone enjoy your day. And thank you so much for listening. And again, share this podcast, write a review if you're loving it so much. And I appreciate your time. And I'll be talking to you really soon. Have a great day. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you loved it, send it to a girlfriend. That would mean the world to me. You can also find me on Instagram at Fixer. and feel free to tag me there too. So until next time, my friend, show your future self some love and spend with the end in mind.